Okie dokie. Yeah, it feels like forever since we've been here, ain't it? We are back in the book of Revelation. I got too many pairs of glasses up here. I'll put these down here. The Revelation of Jesus Christ, part 17. In verse 10. Chapter 1, verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. And that's kind of where we were the last time I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that trumpet. In uh, Psalms 47, verse 5, God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. When a rising time is due for God's people, a rising time, maybe said that God has gone up. As when moved, you know, when He moved in a pillar of a cloud, uh, fire by day, or fire by night, a cloud by day. And with the sound of a trumpet, now remember, always keep in mind as we go through this book, it's, it's, this book is full of symbols. Nothing is what it, it's not literal. With the sound of a trumpet signifies that his voice is being heard. God's voice and his trumpet are one and the same. It's the sounding forth of his word. And... Many messengers here, his body, many members add volume to the sound of that trumpet, like the sound of many waters. You remember in Exodus when, when they heard the sound of the, and it kept getting louder and louder and louder and louder. In, and, and here in Revelation 17, uh, verse 15, uh, you know, waters here means uh, multitudes of people. And he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest, where the horse setteth, are peoples, and multitudes, and nations, and tongues. And then in <coughs> Revelation 19, verse 5 and 6, and a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. So John heard... Coming from the throne, and the throne means divine authority. A message which he said was a voice of a multitude, or of many waters, or of mighty uh, thunderings. It was one trumpet message with many voices adding volume to it. it was, but it was one message. But being trumpeted by many voices... So that it became as a voice of a great thunder. Showing us here the, 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 the unity of, of the head and the body, which, you know, is the church. Christ being the head and the many-membered many body. I know it takes us time to go through these things because there's so many symbols here. But they give us a beautiful picture. And the trumpet speaks of a clear word of God. Trumpets are words, clear words, living words. The trumpet of God is His voice. 
from heaven his voice in his saints. The trumpet is the revelation of the Lord speaking through his people. The sound of the trumpet is simply the proclamation of the message. Now, the Lord Jesus, who is the Word, the Logos, is himself the trumpet. He is the message. He is the revelation. Jesus is the trumpet of God. Delivering a clear sound, a living word, introducing us to the reality of the perfection and incorruptible life of which he is the beginning. So which the Lord himself who comes at the trumpet message and at the sound of his voice, we are called up with him to share in his glory. Now this is where you have to, I'm trying to think how to put this. I say use your imagination, you know. We kind of taught that our imagination is a bad thing. Your imagination is a wonderful thing. The, the, the terrible thing about it was it got filled with darkness and fear. But the Lord gave you your imagination. He told Abraham, look up. It didn't mean look up at the sky. You know, this is a raise your consciousness to another level. And this takes place in the imagination. So, the, the, you know, this, this call up here, the Lord himself descends out from the highest realms of our heavens into the lower realms of our earth. I know that's hard to understand, but where do you hear the Lord now? I, I mean, if you've ever heard the voice of the Lord, it wasn't from out yonder, was it? It's from right on the inside. So he, he descends out from the highest realms of our heavens into the lower, into the lower realms of our earth. And, and we're the creatures, his body. And God is, uh, cre- you know, is creating to express his nature. He's using our bodies, his body, to express his nature, his power, his glory to creation. That's what he did with Christ. When God was in Christ, who was what? The express image of the Father. So his purpose for coming out of that realm of spirit into our earth is to catch our whole being up into the realm of spirit. To swallow up all death into his life. And he he accomplishes this by coming to us in a trumpet message. And all through scriptures, the the voice, the trumpet, um, I think you you could trace it all the way back to Abraham. When Abraham hears a trumpet message, come out. Come come out of the the land of the Chaldeans. Come out. Come into a land that I'll show you. Same thing with Moses. And, And on down the line, they... They heard this message. Even John in the book of Revelation heard a trumpet message. It says, come up here. Come up here. So we stand at the threshold of a... Of, and I always try to... I struggle with words for these things. A new dimension in God. A new experience. A higher realm in the Spirit. A, a new level of experience. You know, I hate to use the word levels... But it's just how you're experiencing. So like John, we've heard the voice as a trumpet. I mean, and you know you have. I mean, when it comes, I mean, it's... When we come to a time like this, many will refuse to go on. Something Something in people makes them reluctant to leave the security of their... Their fixed place and, and to press forward into the challenge of the new. You know, imagine, you know, they were 430 years in bondage. And they came out. And you know what? I mean, this sounds strange. They wanted to go back. They wanted to go back into the safety of slavery. They were comfort, 
there was comfort there. You know, I, I see this uh, today in society. People are, comfort, are comfortable. I mean, this is a great division in our country all around the world. People are comfortable. They want the government to take care of them all, all the way through. They, they want to go into a church where they can feel comfortable and not be uh, pressed or stressed. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Um, they like their little security blanket right there. You know, he told Joshua, you've not been this way before. I always think about that. And, you know, the Lord is always, I mean, he told Abraham, come out. I'll take you to a land you've never seen. A land you don't know how to get there or where it is. And I mean, it's the same thing with us. I'll bring you into a new experience, one you've never experienced before, but it's going to require you leaving everything you've already experienced behind. Now, many people, just like in the book of Exodus, they feel like they journeyed far enough to press on is too great a risk. I might, you know... I've heard people tell me this uh, a lot of times. Uh, believe a lie and be damned. You know. So we're safe right here. We've had this doctrine for 100 years, for 200 years. This is our doctrine. We're safe. The church is still standing. What if I, what if I mess up? Well, let me tell you something. You will. <laughs> you will. Rest assured, uh, you will. But I have to go back. Who is the shepherd? And what happens when I get lost? And guys, I wasn't, I, when I got lost, it wasn't just me being lost out in the world. I've been lost many, many times. But the Good Shepherd has always carried me back. Things I believe way over here. So, you know, you trust the Shepherd. Lead us on. If I get out in left field, He'll bring me back. He'll bring you back so I can, I can go on. Uh, you know, I think what Paul said, I press on. He presses on to the mark of the prize of the what? The high call of the trumpet message that he heard when it pleased God to reveal his son in me. And he's following. These are they who do what? Follow the lamb where, wherever the lamb goes. I mean, sometimes, you know, he'll go straight up the mountain. You think it's too steep. I'll fall off. You know, the rocks are slippery. I'll, you know, let's just stay down here in the green pastures. You want to... So people are reluctant. They don't want to go on. And we tend to become rigid. We tend to become settled. You, you ever settled? I'm telling you what. The Lord will let you settle for just a little while. And then he stirs the nest, we'll say. Let you become self-confident. I got it. I got it all figured out. You know, we're safe in this doctrine. So God has to sound the trumpet in our hearts that we might be alerted, you know. Alerted, hey, it's time to go forward. It's time to press on. It's the hour to rise uh, to the battle, to possess our land. It's time to go. There's our land. There's our inheritance. Let's go. Our full inheritance in God. As the Hebrew writer says, it's time to leave the first principles of the doctrine of Christ and go on to perfection. It's time to put on the mind of Christ and be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's time to live and not die. It's time to come up hither. So he sounds this trumpet. We've tasted the earnest of our inheritance, Paul writes. Now it's time to arise and enter an entirely new realm of experience in God. And you know, all of these things come together. It's, um, I have, uh, to tell you a side note here, Barrow, you know, from the Philippines, finally got a hold of me. And I, you know, my geography of the Philippines is not too good. He was not far from the center of that hurricane that went through on the 15th of December. And yeah, it, it, it hurt them bad. And they're just in disarray. So I, and he sent me uh, an email and he says, I don't know why God allowed this to happen. And so I've, I've been waiting. Uh, he just emailed me like Monday. 
So I was kind of waiting on the Lord to give me some words. Because, I mean, you know, it's like the people in Kentucky. Uh, you know, and that tornadoes go up through there and they're devastated and the thing is is you know it's all it's always an act of God and it just you know it puzzled me I was waiting on the Lord to give me some words that I could say to try to I mean what do you do uh, a new realm of experience in God uh, You know, and I think, you know, I thought about John on this island, and I'm here, here is John on this island, and you got to wonder, did the thing ever come to his mind? My gosh, I followed Christ. I, my head was on the bosom of Christ. I mean, I, Jesus himself told me to take care of his mother, and, and now I wind up on this island in chains? I mean, it just doesn't seem right, you know. I mean, how could this be? I mean, I'm an apostle. I, I was there at the tomb, at the empty tomb. I'm, I mean, I was there when he appeared in the upper room. I was there on the day of Pentecost when it came in. How can this be? How could I wind up in these chains? And the trumpet message said, come up here, John, and let me show you. Come up here. That's not recorded that John asked those questions. I would just, you know, I put myself in those situations. What would you do? I mean, how could God allow this? I was, uh, you know, that's the mystery of the book of Job. Uh, just, you know, still on some side notes here. I mean, the mystery of Job is how could the righteous suffer? I mean, surely there has to be sin because we know anybody that we've seen, you know, what does the law say? The, the, uh, God says, if you keep my commandments, you'll be blessed. If you don't, you'll be cursed. So they looked and said, Job, obviously you have done something wrong here. It can be no other way. And Job says, I've done nothing wrong. But the three friends says, well, you must have sinned in your heart. I mean, there has to be something you've done wrong. And Job, I mean, like on trial here, Job even appeals to God and says, if I have sinned, show me. What have I done? I have lost everything. They could not conceive And you know, Job was a righteous man. God himself called him righteous. He was upright. But he is suffering. Why is he suffering? It's the mystery of Job. That the righteous would suffer for the unrighteous? Doesn't sound fair. Wow. Those who have ears to hear and the willingness to come up hither will attain to the glory that the new realm, uh, the glory that is the new realm, while the rest of the church world goes on as usual in the old realms. And you know that, I mean, that's, they've been doing the same things over and over and over. You know, Dad used to say, keep going around the mountain, keep going around the mountain, same old mountain. And Jesus is the revelation of this. He came forth as the pattern son and he speaks a clear sounding word. He is that word. He's the beginning of the new creation of God and, and we're following the forerunner, right? He was the forerunner. And just as he trumpeted a clear sounding word, we're going to trumpet a clear sounding word. We're going to become a part of that. You know, the scripture says when he shall appear, we shall appear with him. We'll be like him. It's, all those things are hard to imagine. So let us take heed to how we hear and how we speak and what we speak. Because the order of man is passing. I, I, I see it. And I, and I know people right now with the state of the world and they look at the chaos that's going on in the world and they say, how could this be? The, the world of man is crumbling in every country in the world. Every government I mean, this is, this is a time like has never been seen before in the history. Every government is on the brink of collapse. There's riots everywhere. How? By the sounding of the trumpet. See, there are so many things going on that we have no idea 
what is taking place in the heavens that are affecting the things in the earth. By the sounding of the trumpet, by the very word of our mouth, because of him who speaks, where does he speak? Out of us. We might compromise the message and bear a message of appeasement to the old order of the religious system, but what would that accomplish? And I'm telling you, the gospel is a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, the real gospel. It's either life or death. There is no middle ground. I'm telling you, if you're really of the body of Christ, people can't stay the same in your presence. They will either be mad or they'll be in wonder. They cannot. I mean, you can't bring light into a dark room and it stay the same. There, there's a there's a, a smell of Christ that that comes out of you, and you can't help it. If the trumpeter has no message, if the trumpeter blows an uncertain sound, how will you know to prepare? Joel chapter 2, blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm. We're at in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. Because we talked about that day. God has commanded us to blow a trumpet in Zion. Now I say, well, you say in Zion. Well, the Hebrew writer told you where you was. You've come to this very mountain. And that's where the alarm has to be sounded, isn't it? Sound an alarm in this holy mountain. We sound the alarm in Zion. Why? To awaken his people. His, this is what we've been preaching for so long. To awaken the church. They don't know who they are. They think they're old, dirty, rotten sinners. and They don't know they're children of the living God. And Christ lives in them. Let them know the day of the Lord is here. Awake, awake, Paul says. Awaken to righteousness. I mean, that's what, I mean, that's what would change the world. God's people, this multitude, the sound of many waters rising up, all blowing the trumpet at one time. God has a trumpet message that is sounding forth because it's time for his people to move into new territory. To move, what is the territory? Of course, we know it's Christ. To move into their full inheritance. The trumpet voice that John hears on Patmos later becomes the seven trumpets sounding through Revelation. The seven trumpets are like the seven eyes and the seven horns and the seven stars and the seven spirits. They are sevenfold fullness of God's trumpet message. The declaration or proclamation of the process of his victory wrought out experientially in us, worked out in us. You know that? That one who suddenly comes like a fuller soap or refiner's fire that comes to his temple. Seven angels sound the seven trumpets. Who, who are the seven angels? I'll tell you who they are. They are the Lord. When, so, when someone in the book of Revelation shows up under a symbol doing something that originates with God, it's the Lord. He said... In chapter 1, behold, I come quickly. Now, people think that's a one-time deal. I come quickly. But throughout the book of Revelation, he comes and he comes and he continues to come. And he still continues to come. He comes as a trumpet voice. He comes as a lion. He comes as a lamb. He comes as seven spirits. He comes as seven angels. He comes as a mighty angel. He comes as the Son of Man. He comes as horses galloping out of a seven-sealed book. He comes as a star coming down out of heaven. It's the Lord coming to purge us, refine us, perfect us, transform us, mature us, conform us into the image of His Son. And as the trumpet sounds in our lives, we begin to experience the fullness of all that God is. And I'll tell you, there's never been an expression of God at this level in the earth at any time except 
in the person of the Lord Jesus when he walked the shores of Galilee. For he is what? The firstborn among many brethren. I told you he was the prototype. He was what we are to be. I mean, I know people can't get a hold of that. But there was a first Adam and there was a last Adam. And when God begins to loose the seals, I know this is getting ahead, and sound the trumpets and pour out the vows, it'll bring forth a many-membered expression of God. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. In, in Revelation 10... Starting in verse 5. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and things that are therein and the earth and the things that are therein and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. Now remember he says that there should be time no longer, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, notice he says when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. So when there's time no more, but remember, this is a book of symbols. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he begins to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. Let me go over those phrases there real quick. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, and the words begin to sound, it speaks volumes because the complete sounding of that trumpet involves a process of time. And shows us that our change which comes with the sounding of that seventh or last trumpet is not to find its total consummation in one specific moment. It's prolonged sounding, extending through various dealings. Now if you're like me, as I read these things and I study these things, I always find arguments. You know, like a lawyer, let me make this argument. Let me just go to the argument now because First uh, Corinthians. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. Now, in a moment... In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. So here I'm in, in Revelation and I'm said he begins to sound in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. There's not going to be any more time. So if there's no more time, how could it be in a moment? Because I'm in a moment of time, right? When the mystery, uh, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he had declared his prophets. In a moment in the twinkling eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised and corrupt and we shall be changed. I, I hear all of these arguments that go on in my mind. But it, it'll, it'll work out better once we get all the way over here in Revelation 10. But... I want to go back to the mystery. In the days when the voice of the seventh angel and the trumpet message begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. Because that's the, the, what we're getting to, right? I mean, he, the mystery of God. Now, in Corinthians right here, it's like we're talking about resurrection. The dead will be raised and all of this. And, and here he's talking about the mystery of God should be finished as he had declared to his servants. What is the mystery of God? The mystery of God... Is God manifested in the flesh? Now, I know that, uh, let me, 1 Timothy uh, 3.16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. God was, see, that's what the Hebrew people couldn't get. 
Now, the Gentile people, they didn't even know who the Hebrew God was. They had their statues and, and, you know, they had their thousands upon thousands of God idols made out of wood and stone and all of these things. But to the Hebrew God, they could not fathom the fact that God would be manifested in the flesh. Great is this mystery. And this is also the mystery of Christ. That God was in Christ, and where is Christ? Now God in Christ is in us. So let's go to um, Ephesians. Chapter 3, verse 2. If you have heard of the dispensation or the administration of grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he hath made... Known unto me the mystery, as I wrote to you afore in a few words. He's made known to me the mystery, Paul says. Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the, by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ, by the gospel. If, if you follow the word mystery through the New Testament, you'll, you'll see it's clear that the mystery here is speaking of the body of Christ. You know, he told John over there, the Father in me, I and the Father, you and, and I'm in you and you're in me. In Ephesians 5, he says... This, in, in 532, this is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. The two become one flesh. This is a great mystery. It's the mystery of the union of Christ, the head, with Christ the body and all the fullness. And he says back in Revelation, it's time for the mystery of God to be finished. Finished means uh, perfected, completed. In the days of the seventh angel, the body of Christ shall be brought to perfection, if you will. The mystery of God manifested in the flesh will be finished. Do you get a hold of that? I mean, Jesus was the express image of the Father. He came to manifest the Father, to reveal His name, if you will. Now, we're the body of Christ for the... For the same purpose. The seventh trumpet signifies the hour has arrived for the sons of God or the body of Christ to come forth. And when I say come forth, come forth in, in birth, that doesn't mean as a little child. You remember Isaiah uh, wondered, could a nation be born in a day? And you know, this strange thing. But what it means is, you know, the child may be there in the mother's womb, but it's hidden. You don't know what it looks like, but the day it's born, you, you see it in its fullness. That's what I'm talking about. Not, not as a little child, but you see the complete manifestation, okay? And they shall rule all nations with what? A rod of iron. Caught up to God in His throne, caught up into His authority. I wonder, with the church who is going to be raptured out of here, who's going to rule all nations with a rod of iron? Who's going to be the blessed? Who's going to be the overcomers? And, and, and you know, I think to myself, I just think logically, you know, I, I love life. I love the life of Christ. I look at this world and I see a, a lot of terrible, bad things about it, but I see its beauty. And I wonder what a rose really looks like. A resurrected rose in its fullness. You ever wonder? You know, I just wonder. I sit in awe sometimes. I wonder what that oak tree will look like in a regenerated earth. Because when God made it, it was good. I mean, could you imagine that? It was good. Now, there is an acceleration of God's revelatory word, an intensified trumpet message, a clear sound of the, of the revelation of Christ. So we need to listen for that sound of the trumpet voice within our spirits. You know, there was a, a trumpet 
Tim probably heard this trumpet many, many times too. We were in the military and every morning at sunrise, the trumpet sounded, it was revelating, it was get up. I don't care if you, I don't care if you're rested or not or just got in a bed. I don't care that someone, you know, and it was an alert, get up, get up. And especially in boot camp, man, when this thing goes off, you don't know, you just hear the trumpet. And, and that's what I'm talking about, this trumpet message. John heard it. I mean, it was an alert, turn around. And he turned and many people won't. Now, if you can hear this trumpet sounded above the cry of the rapture and the antichrist and the mark of the beast and the great tribulation, denominationalisms and mansions on the hilltops and cabins over in the corner of glory land and pie in the sky and cunningly devised fables and false prophets and lying signs and wonders and prosperity doctrines. If you can hear this trumpet and mount up with wings as eagles and soar high above all that confusion and hear the distinct, unmistakable sound of the last trumpet, then it can be said of you, blessed art thou. You know, that's what was said of Mary, wasn't it? Blessed art thou. Blessed art thou, overcomer, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, this seventh trumpet is the final redemptive message. And when it is finished sounding, God will have made a man in his image, a many-membered man in his image with Christ the head. Now, let me get back over here to Revelation. I'm kind of skipping verse 11. Well, let me read it. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as a trumpet saying, I'm Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book, send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and to Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. John heard a great voice as of a trumpet, and he turned to see the voice. Now, you and I know, remember this book, Signs and Symbols? It wasn't a, a physical turning, it was an inward turning. His perception and vision raised to a higher dimension. John was changed in the spirit, lifted into a new awareness. Uh, hopefully, we've turned many times in our walk with God. Now, the word turned is the same word which is translated in Acts 3.19 as converted. Now, think about that. There's a conversion that takes place in our lives before we can see the voice that speaks with us, There's a turning from all that is not the Lord himself. A turning from all that is not the Lord himself. It's, now listen, it's not just turning from the world. Or turning from religion or forms of godliness. But even a, even a turning, now this is, this is hard and this is where most people stop. But even a turning from those legitimate things God has given you. From seeking and glowing in our own ministries and gifts and positions and blessings. We are being turned to the Lord himself. Now what I mean by those things legitimately given to us. God has showed us things. But when God shows us things, it's what you, when he shows us things, when he reveals things of himself, it's what you can handle at that particular time. Paul even says, you know, we know in part, we see through a glass darkly, but, you know, as the light gets brighter, you see more clear. You know, this, this is what happened to Israel. Legitimately, God had given them the tabernacle through Moses and the temple. 
He had legitimately given them the law on tables of stone. He had legitimately given them the manna, the golden pot of manna, Aaron's rod that budded, the ark of the covenant, the, the golden mercy seat overlaid with gold and the cherubims. He, God had legitimately gave them that. But they had to turn from that to Christ himself. Jesus stood there in juxtaposition to that and said, come unto me. Now they made the argument, we have Moses. This was legitimately, we've had it for 1,500 years, and now you want us to turn from that. Do you see how hard? They had to turn from all. Jesus said, come unto me. And you know, those things were legitimate. And, the, and some of the things God, well, anything God has given you to is legitimate. But he wants you to come to him. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened unto the Son of Man. I'm going to tell you something here. One likened to the Son of Man. And this will be more for next week's message, but where it says, unto the Son of Man, do you know that def? You know, the is a definite article. I mean like the tree. I could say a tree or the tree. The word the is not in the Greek. It's the word a. I turn in, in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto a son of man. And in every translation other than King Jimmy, that's just about what it is. A son of man, which we'll go into the details of that. Today I want to look at the candlestick. The candlestick realm is the, is the church realm. That's where the message is. Not from some far off place. The voice of the Son of God is the voice in the churches. Within those in the churches who are walking in the Spirit and seeing in the Spirit and hearing by the Spirit. It's in our midst. Among us. I mean, he said the kingdom of heaven, where is it? It's within you. You know, when I hear people make these arguments, and they read verses, they never read the next verse. And, you know, I've heard people say, yeah, I've heard some people say that we're already living in the millennium and the kingdom's already here. Well, you need to take that argument up with Jesus. And, and then you can argue with Paul who said you've already been translated. into the, You've already come to Mount Zion. The kingdom is within you. You can take the argument up with them. I'm just repeating what they say. It's in our midst, among us. The Spirit of the Son is within you, isn't it? I mean, the Spirit in our hearts crying, Abba, Father. God dwelleth in you. The Word of Christ richly dwells in you. The anointing, John said, the anointing abideth with you. Now everybody's praying for an anointing and John, the writer of this book, said it abides. Oh. So the voice of the Son is heard from within. When it, Paul said, when it pleased God not to reveal His Son to me, but in me. And He's going to speak from where He is. You know, I'm not a person, I can't throw my voice. I'm here, so i got to speak from where I am. So if Christ is in you and the voice of this trumpet is going to speak, He speaks in the midst of the body of Christ. In the midst of the church being turned, I saw the voice in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Anybody that knows anything of the Old Testament knows the candlestick is in, in the holy place. And there is where the prayers are offered at the golden altar of incense, the table of showbread, uh, you know, and, and the golden candlesticks filled with oil. Now, have you ever turned to see a voice? He didn't turn to see the man or the woman or the prophet or the angel. He turned to see the voice that spoke. Until we can grasp the eternal importance of the, of the voice of the Son of God, we'll never turn to see the voice. Not the vessel the voice speaks through. Now, that's very... Do you see what I mean? We have this treasure in earthen vessels. He wasn't looking for the vessel. He was looking for the voice. 
God has spoken through men and women and angels and donkeys and clouds and bushes. God is bringing us to the place where we don't demand uh, to hear God speak in a certain way or through a particular vessel. But our desire is to hear His voice, no matter who it's coming through or what it's coming through, and see Him in His revelation, whatever it be. And you know, some refuse, I've been there, some refuse to hear unless it comes through their denomination or their bishop or their apostle or their prophet or their preacher. They won't hear anything else. If you're not approved by the organization and have their credentials, Paul had that same problem. Do I need letters of commendation from you? That's what Paul told them. If they don't have that in their religion, they won't receive the word of the Lord from you. Now the sons of God are also able to see. He, he hearing the voice and being turned, he turned to see the voice. And being turned, he saw seven golden candlesticks. We'd expect John to see a person. But he saw first seven golden candlesticks. Let me read it to you again. And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Then he sees the one in the midst of the candlesticks likened to a son of man. These are wonderfully significant words. The one John saw wasn't seated in a golden throne in heaven. He was standing in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He's standing in the midst of the churches and in the midst of the body of Christ. Now where is Christ? Right in the midst of us. In Psalm 82, verse 1, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. Now listen to it. He stands where at? In the congregation of the mighty, he judgeth among the gods. Now right here he is, Revelation. John turned to see the voice, and he sees the voice in the mighty congregation. The mighty congregation is the seven golden candlesticks. It's the church. And in the middle of the church, he sees the one who's standing there. Now, the seven golden candlesticks are the seven churches. A voice was speaking out of the midst of the seven churches. The point is, it's necessary to see the church before you can see him who is in the church. There are people who have no use for the church. They say, God called them out of the church. I'm telling you, God didn't call you out of the church. I understand what they mean, but they're wrong. In Revelation 18, now we may have heard this voice. And as we go through the book of Revelation, it'll become more clear. Revelation 18.4, I, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her. So he's hearing this voice again, this trumpet voice. Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins and that receive not of her plagues. See, that's not a call to come out of the church. That's a call to come out of Babylon. Babylon's the religious system that calls itself the church, but it's not the church. The church is the body, the living body of Jesus Christ. Babylon's an imitation. Go back to Israel, down there in Egypt. They had the magicians, and they could imitate half of the stuff that, that Moses and Aaron was doing. It's an imitation. It's a usurper. It's an imposter, a harlot that masquerades as the church. Yes, we've been called out of Babylon, but we are still in the body of Christ. You're not called out of the body of Christ. If you've been, if you've been called out of the church, then you've been severed from Christ. That's not so. The body of Christ is the church. The Lord Jesus himself so loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such things. So let us see the candlesticks. When you see the candlesticks, then you'll see one likened to the Son of Man in the midst of the candlesticks. And let us behold where he dwells. You, you can't avoid where he resides. This is where the life is. There, there's, there's no way to hear the voice of the Son of God apart from the tabernacle, the temple, the body that he lives in. 
Now, we might not like some of the things about the present state of that body, including our own condition. But whose body is it? It's his body. I mean, do we think about that sometimes? It's his body. We may not like that person. We may not like some of the things about us, but whose body is it? It's his. Somebody might say, well, I don't want to see that man. I just want to see the Lord. But you have to get this. You have to see the man in order to see the Lord. I can only see Christ in you by seeing you. You're your own unique expression of the Lord. Nobody can express the Lord like you or like me. You have to see the person. You know, I think it's, uh, you know, Elijah was the one who poured water on Elijah's hands. He He had to see the man. You, you see what I mean? I mean, he had to, I mean, everybody else used this great prophet, but he had to see the man. Poured so, so much so he poured water on his hands. I mean, just in every everyday thing. And, you know, listen to the statement, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. What was the mystery? God manifest in the flesh. Behold. We've talked about that word behold. Look. Who can believe it? The tabernacle of God is where at? With men. His abiding place is in the midst of the mighty congregation where he sits and judges with the gods, among the gods. The mystery of God. God manifest in the flesh. People say, if I could find a perfect church, I'd be part of it. Well, it wouldn't be perfect anymore if you would, because you'd mess it up. God is, is bringing us to the place in our experience here. We're willing, to, we're, we're willing to look at each other in spite of our weaknesses and mistakes and blemishes and wrinkles. Because he presents it to himself spotless. Without blemish, without wrinkle. He, and how he so loved the church, he gave himself. So we must be able to hear the voice of the Son of God even if there are imperfections in the vessel. It's impossible to hear the voice without seeing the candlesticks. And in the midst of the church, which is His body, there is one likened unto a Son of Man. And that's where I'm going to quit for tonight. So we will be coming back looking at this one likening to a son of man. So we'll, we'll stop with that.